Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful in us, forgives our sins, and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unbelieving. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our own heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Renew us and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, for the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake, forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. I will Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. 
save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. first reading appointed for this, the fifth Sunday of Easter, is from the Acts of the Apostles, the eighth chapter. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. 
And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him, who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, the, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ has risen from the dead. God the Father has crowned him with glory and honor. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. The epistle reading from 1 John, the fourth chapter. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and, as, and now is in the world already. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Our text for this fifth Sunday of Easter from St. John, the 15th chapter, no branch, John writes, Jesus says, can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, what makes great men great? Throughout history, many have pondered what it is that makes the great men and women of history great. Is it determination, a firm resolve despite the odds and opposition, perhaps? Timing? Being in the right place at the right time? Maybe. Conviction unshaken no matter what the conflict, no matter what the challenge, well could be. There's one commonality, though, among the great men and the great women of history that often evades those searching for the answers for what makes for greatness. Maybe it escapes them because it is so obvious. The one thing... The one thing that every great man and every great woman throughout history has possessed without exception is a mother. Now is it really dear mom that makes for the doers and the deeds of greatness? Well, at least one giant of history thinks so. French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte was reported once to have said the future destiny of a child is in the work of a mother. And he's not alone, too. Napoleon's not alone. Listen also to what one of the men who had perhaps one of the greatest impacts on the last millennium, Thomas Edison, said about his mother. Edison, inventor of such world-altering innovations and, uh, as the incandescent light bulb and so on, Edison said, I didn't, much, I, didn't, I didn't have my mother long, he writes, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all my life. If it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. Edison continues, I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of a different mental caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness and her sweetness and her goodness were potent powers to keep me in the right path. My mother, he says, was the making of me. Not to discredit the father's, But perhaps Edison's got a point here. Whether we consider a mother's tender touch or her love-born resolve to see that we learn what she knows we need to, to learn and know, or whether simply because you and I draw our life from our mothers and find our first shelter and earthly home in her womb, whichever, Edison's tribute to his mother can well be appreciated by any and all of us today on this Mother's Day. Apart from our mothers, where would we be? Well, Jesus speaks today also of full and utter dependence. He illustrates it, though not in the terms of a mother, the relationship of a mother to her child, but in an association involving just as much dependence, that of a, of a vine, to its branches. You see, just like familial Branches of a family tree are are fully dependent upon the life-giving limbs of ancestors lower on the tree. A natural branch can't begin to exist without drawing life from the vine. I am the vine, Christ said in 
and you are the branches, and apart from me you can do nothing. We may wonder about that, though. As we look around and see many people having nothing at all to do with Christ who seem very much alive and seem rather fruitful in their prospering, with paid-off, perhaps palatial palaces, more and nicer automobiles to drive investments, yet somehow thriving, yet in this economy with bountiful return, it would seem gadgets and gears to enhance living in every aspect of life. When we consider these fruits of labors, we might well wonder, well, what does he mean, apart from me, you can do nothing? It would seem many are doing quite well apart from him. Or we may consider the generous amounts of money and time and the arduous efforts of secular charitable organizations and disaster relief groups. And we might second guess what our Lord says, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Christ, though, Christ, though, speaks here of things, of course, spiritual, not worldly. You work hard to cultivate things in this world, and your efforts, by God's goodness, your efforts might well bear much earthly fruit, and still, and still you've borne no real fruit. You see, the earthly fruit of wealth and health spoils almost as quickly as it's produced and yielded. And there's no preservative, is there, that'll keep any of it past the few days of this earthly life. Neither is the largest donation, if not done in faith, from one who is believing in faith. Neither is the largest donation of the most generous benefactor, real spiritual fruit born for its beginning and its end, if not given, if not done by one who has faith in Christ. Its beginning and its end is not in glorifying the Father. And as scripture says, whatever is not from faith is sin. There's no real fruit because that which is spiritually without life can't bear, can't bear spiritual fruit. Now you well know from perhaps watching your own fruit trees grow that any fruit is fully dependent upon a living branch. But what's natural man's spiritual state? By birth and nature, not living. Says scripture, not living. No, Paul says you were dead. Picture in your minds a dead branch. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And mind you, this not just only for a while, or only, I should say, after a while, but from your dear mother's womb you were, weren't you? For the psalmist says... I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me from conception. Not connected with Christ the vine, a dead, fruitless branch. Busy as bees, though one may be working for the, the world's perishable fruit, Scripture tells us exactly and sadly where sin leaves anyone not connected to the vine. Christ said it today in the Gospel reading, withered. Withered, lifeless, despite any outward appearance. And our Lord, he tells us today, too, what becomes of dead and fruitful branches. He says such branches are picked up, he says, and thrown into the fire and burned. Thomas Edison today reminds us to ask the question, where would we be without our mothers? Well, Jesus Christ today reminds us to ask ourselves, where are we if not connected to the vine? Well, take heart, 
all you baptized, because you're connected. You're connected. Not by your own choice, mind you. Not by your own choice. Just like, just like you had nothing to do, nothing at all to do with drawing life from your mother. You neither thought about nor decided to connect yourself in your mother's womb to that life-giving, life-sustaining, nourishing umbilical cord. And yet the connection was made completely apart from your will. And this is how you and I are connected to the vine as well. Jesus said, in the same context of our text, he said to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We didn't choose to be living branches connected to the vine, and yet by baptism we are and we live. And how vital, truly, how vital this connection is. A connection made in, in baptism in the day our, our Lord lovingly took you, took me, once dead in our sin, and by water and word grafted you onto the living vine. You and, now, you and I now by baptism connected. Connected to the vine which is rooted deep in the fertile soil of Calvary. Calvary's cross. Christ crucified. For what does Paul say? He says you were, were buried with him in baptism, you, you were tapped into the cross. Buried with him in baptism, in which you, you also were raised with him, Paul writes, through faith. And you, being dead in your trespasses, he's made alive together with him. Grafted together with him. Alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Rooted in Calvary. Alive in Christ. That's how we're made to be. And so Jesus says, remain in me. You heard him say today, remain in me and I will remain in you. Already by baptism, having been connected. How then are we kept connected to the vitality of that vine? You know. You know, you hear it preached and said here often and, and, and because it's so important. We're nourished and strengthened by a regular fertilizer of God's Word, read and heard preached. And I tell you, no branch is, no branch is too seasoned. And no sprig or shoot is, is too freshly sprung that it won't and it can't and it wouldn't be enriched by, by the regular nourishing feed of God's Word. And it's in the supper too, the supper that you hear so often receive, that all the nutrients, life enriched, forgiveness enriched, Christ enriched, the mineral deposits, if you will, of Christ's cross all flow from, from the vine to His branches, strengthening us, as we say, in, in faith toward Him, strengthening the bond, in faith toward Him, and in fervent and and fruitful love toward one another. And because it's through word and sacrament that our Lord keeps us connected to Him, it's vital that we don't, through careless apathy or disinterest, cut ourselves off from them. Consider the once somewhat careless, perhaps, gardener, who was a bit hurried in his yardly trimming duties, a bit distracted too by other things going on in life at the time, in his haste, and you might say his inattentiveness, he one day severed, he, he, this day, this particular day, he severed a particular shoot from the vine. 
He didn't realize what he'd done at first until some days later when he, he noticed that this once luscious, green, verdant branch was becoming a bit brown and brittled. And then soon, days after, this, this branch having been fully severed from the vine so that no precious nutrients could be delivered to it was, was all shriveled up and had died. He learned his lesson. It's one worth sharing with you here today. Be not distracted, nor preoccupied. Stay connected. Through these word, through this word, through the sacrament, this lifeline Christ freely gives. Stay connected to the vine at all costs. For apart from him you can do nothing. But enabled by this, this vine grafting grace of Christ. Abiding now in him a branch will indeed bear much fruit. It will. Of course, it's right here that our minds always tend to dart away from, from, from focusing on the vine and to start inspecting the, our, our branch, the branch of, of fruit. What have I borne? Have I borne enough? How much is it? But should we? Should we recast our focus to the branch and take it off the vine? It's like the fictitious exchange between a man and a great fruit tree where the man says to the, to, the, to the tree, this grand fruit tree, he says, what beautiful and abundant fruit. What beautiful and abundant fruit. You must delight in it. To which the tree responds, no, sir, I don't, I don't relish. I don't relish in it. I don't relish in my fruits. Others do. Others can. Perhaps. I relish in the soil in which I'm planted and the sun which shines upon me with the water that makes me grow. The fruit just comes. That's true for, for us all too. Because remember what Paul wrote. He said, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think of God's creatures. The sun he created to shine in the sky. You don't have to tell it to shine. It just shines. And the clouds he created to rain. And think of the new creatures in Christ. Moms he created to mother and to nurture. And dads to father and craftsmen to craft. And security watchmen to watch. And judges to judge and caregivers to give care. And pastors to preach and hearers to hear. Teachers to teach, students to learn, cooks to cook, cleaners to clean, mechanics to fix, neighbors to respect and look out for their neighbors, and we do. And we just do. All bearing good fruit, equally good fruit, where God has planted us to be fruitful. How can we help it? You see, when we're connected to the vine. One last thought today. Remember this always. You fruit-bearing branches all, you will be pruned. You will be pruned. Jesus promised it. Every branch, he said, of mine that does bear fruit, the fatherly vine dresser prunes. I mentioned some weeks ago some, some paw prints, some particular paw prints that I had seen in a mission uh, in San Juan Batista. And I, as I was reminded, they're also at Mission Santa Clara, too. And I learned this from our, our resident expert on California missions. Well, I also learned 
quite a bit recently in talking to another resident expert of ours on grape growing. Fascinating. When it, when it comes to pruning, sometimes the cutting must be deep. In order to tame wild and wayward growth and to concentrate the precious nutrients into the branch and into its fruit for a more luscious and a more ample yield or crop, often the branch has to be pruned way back to near the vine. Deep cuts. You know those well too, don't you? Deep cuts. Deep cuts in life. Deep cuts that hurt. A miscarriage. An all too quickly advancing disease. Marital betrayal that leaves you not able to trust. Irreversible infertility. Having to bury a son or a daughter. The pruning can be deep. And it hurts so that tears drip like sap. But what might seem like God's indiscriminate hacking is really, I tell you, an expert vine dresser at work. And not only for our own good, mind you, not only for our own good, but for, so that more fruits of love which are, are meant for others to enjoy might be born. Consider this. Consider what St. Paul says. He says, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all, all of our tribulation." that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Why the pain of your miscarriage? So that you, knowing its hurt, and the God-comforted healing, so that you will be able to comfort the young would-be mother that one day will weep over it. Why have you been left a widow or widower for years? So that in Christian love you can share a piece of comforting fruit with the one who became a widower just a month ago or perhaps just a week ago. He prunes, God prunes with tender precision that we might bear more fruit. Apart from him you can do nothing. Graciously grafted to him. And by word and sacrament kept connected to him, we thrive. Thanks be to the vine from a church full of grateful branches. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You have taken us who were dead in our sins and have grafted us to him who is the life-giving and life-sustaining vine, Jesus Christ. Make us ever grateful for and confident in that union begun in our baptism. Continually sustain us through nourishment provided by your word and in your holy supper that always connected to Christ we may ever have life, for apart from you there is nothing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the church, grant that by her faithful confession in the lives of your people, the, the truth of your word may sound throughout the world, and your light may shine, so that just as Philip confessed Christ come in the flesh and crucified to one yet in darkness, your people everywhere would confess the same unchanging truth, that many others might also join in the fellowship of those who will inherit eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, the ruler over all things, grant wisdom to the leaders of the world and to the leaders of our own land at all levels, levels of government, that all whom you have vested with authority may fulfill their appointed vocations in godly service by striving for peace and defending and promoting justice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, whose hand of protection is over your people, we pray that you would protect from further damage and harm the people, both residents and firefighters, and the property that's threatened by the Santa Barbara fires. We thank you for having thus far protected members and loved ones who reside and who work in the area, and we ask to continue your protection throughout the days with which the threat persists. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Good and gracious God, hear our prayer today for all mothers through whom you have blessed sons and daughters everywhere with your tender mercy. Strengthen them in their blessed calling, 
and grant that in love and due honor children everywhere would rightly rise and call their mothers blessed. Lord, in your mercy. For those mothers who grieve the loss of children through miscarriage and stillbirth, for mothers who mourn the loss of their grown children, whom they were blessed to live with and love for many years, for those parents who have been unable to bear children, that these all may be comforted by you in their sorrow and in their longing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, the giver of life and health, hear our prayer for those tested by needs of body or soul, particularly the homebound and the sick. We pray today also for Judith Meredith, cousin of Hugh Ryan, who faces inoperable cancer. We pray for the hospitalized and recovering that those facing difficult circumstances in their lives might have your peace, that according to your good pleasure they may receive healing of body and peace of soul. Direct us to serve these, your children, in love, and teach us to remember that it is so often through your people that you send your comfort to provide your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, of most tender compassion, grant comfort and consolation to those who mourn death. We pray for Phil Schuster and his family as they mourn the death of Phil's wife and our sister in Christ, Maggie. For David Sacarellis and family who grieves the passing of David's mother, brother in Christ and former member Bill Cantu who mourns with us the death of his wife, Lene. Bring to our minds in such sad time the certain hope that because Christ lives, all these who died in the faith and who even now are with him in heaven will be raised in glorious fashion once again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for to you alone be all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.